Food is a gateway to learning about people, and it's just this way to synthesize um, kind of relatability. I'm Nathan, and you're listening to Design Intercourse, conversations with creative people who inspire. Marcella Kriebel thinks about food every day, not just in the way you or I might. She's thinking about food and the way that it connects people in meaningful ways, about food's capacity to break down barriers of language, opening up more soulful dialogue through making meals together. Her work and illustrations of food have appeared on NPR, Design Sponge, Epicurious, and DCist, only to name a few. Her work is filled with love and honesty, and I've had the great pleasure of talking with Marcella about her art, travels, and what inspires her recipes. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start off with um, just kind of intros, so who you are and kind of background. Wonderful. My name is Marcella Kriebel, and I am an artist, an illustrator, and a cookbook author. Uh, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Actually, outside of Portland, I should say. For those on the East Coast, I just say, (laughs) I'm from Portland because it's a destination, right? Uh, I grew up in a little town called Forest Grove, Oregon. Um, Both my parents are artists. And I majored in studio art and anthropology in Oregon. Nice. And then uh, in 2009, I moved to Washington, D.C. to intern at the American Art Museum. Very cool. In the exhibits department. So it sounds like your whole life's been art. (laughs) So it has. Yeah, that was like a whirlwind. Hey, I'm an artist. I'm a daughter of two artists. It's true. That's pretty cool. Um, My parents, uh, my mom is a fiber artist. My dad's a cabinet maker. Okay. So I love that. I love yeah, that. So I love the cabinetry part of things. Like so. <laughs> I know you so he's know, a woodworking. Like I love that. I That's grew awesome. up around a, a plethora of different materials <laughs> at my fingertips. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so fiber artists. Yes. Um, tell me a little she, bit about that. My mother, tech. I mean, officially has a degree in apparel design, but um, from an experimental standpoint, she has done everything from weaving when she was. Uh, you know, in the 70s with, like, hair past her butt. I love it. That's my mom. Doing the hippie thing. <laughs> but um, started out doing weaving, and then she moved into silks. So she was doing a lot of resists and things on silks and stencils and silkscreen. And then she got into applique work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now she does small-scale kind of art quilts, but then she applies those to garments. Okay. So she makes women's clothing that has all these appliques on it. Okay. I can go into that more, but <laughs> anyway, so that's what my mom does. My dad is a cabinet maker and a furniture maker, and uh, way back when, uh, a draft. I mean, he's a draftsman. Mm-hmm. He he majored in printmaking. Um, you know. Wow. Yeah. So that's. I consider a lot of my influence uh, to be obviously from both my parents. Um, my dad, the the drawing talent from my dad and mm-hmm. the design sense very much from, well, from both, but mm-hmm. both my mom and my dad. But, uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. And they're really good friends of mine and inspiration. As they should so, be. So, totally. <laughs> As they should be. Yeah. My parents yeah. are too. It's a good thing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Really cool. So that's a bit of background. Yeah. Um, and then, so when you got here, when you, when you yeah, how long I, have you been in D.C.? I've been in D.C. since September of 2009. Okay. So what is that, like six years Six, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but I should back up because between moving to D.C. and growing up in Oregon, I've traveled throughout Latin America. 
And that has been a major focus for a lot of my current work. Mm -hmm. I studied abroad in Ecuador initially in 2007, and that really changed my worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, Learning Spanish and gaining fluency Mm -hmm. and uh, being able to communicate with another culture and learn about them because I had the language. Yeah. That makes it easier, um, for sure. It certainly, certainly <laughs> does. So, so because of Spanish, I continued to intentionally go to Latin American countries after graduation, uh, and I traveled throughout Central and South America. And uh, so that was a big part of my life before moving to D.C. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. So, and then did you start um, illustrating when you right. were here, or have you always been... Like, I've always kept a, a sketchbook journal, uh-huh. and that has acted as very much both. It's a uh-huh. personal journal, but illuminated with all these different, you know, illustrations. Yeah. And when I was, I may as well jump into it. When yeah, I was traveling, it. I found cooking a wonderful way to get to know I was going to ask about Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of my journaling from 2007 uh, on... Um, in different countries has been this illustrated recipe idea. And so I I intentionally went into the kitchens of all these places where I was staying and thinking about food as a a lens into cultural cultural experience and rituals and and personal narrative, um, I took notes. I took, you know, illustrated Mm -hmm. notes of all these things I was learning in the kitchen, getting to know people. And so uh, when I, uh, moving back to D.C. in 2009, I, I you know, kept with this journaling as an activity and as an art handler, art installation technician, as mm-hmm. they say, uh, you get a lot of time off between jobs if you're a traveling art handler. So what is art circus. handler? Like are you, you're, um, you're moving artwork? Yeah, okay. moving artwork, installing, deinstalling. I had a position where I was uh, moving a major exhibition from city to city. Mm-hmm. So in, in uh, relatable terms, I was like a roadie for an art exhibit. Mm-hmm. You know, every four months I'd return to that city, pack it up, um, and then put it on six tractor trailers and wow. then go directly to the next city, unpack it, install it, into the next city. Mm -hmm. So between those gigs, I continued to travel to Latin America and other places. I, um, so that kind of focus of mine, um, I still had, uh, through, throughout this chapter of like being in DC. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, uh, uh, a big, one of the contracts ended and I actually lost my job. I got laid off as one of the young ones on the totem pole, you know, 2012, mm-hmm. economy not doing so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> I got laid off. And yeah. at that point, I went to Mexico for six weeks, and I was house-sitting at the time. But that's it's when kind I of a had nice, a... I mean, even though you're getting laid off, you're like, I'm... I'm like, cool, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go, Mexico for six I'm gonna weeks. go <laughs> check out this other place, yeah. So I was actually staying in my aunt's house. She was traveling, and I needed to take care of her dogs and her plants. Okay. So at that point, I started this illustrated recipe project uh, with the initial motive of 
sharing all of these recipes that I had in these sketchbook journals with family and friends. So it's very much a personal passion project, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's something that I wanted to do. I had no idea how I was going to bind it into a book at that point. This was in March of 2012. Mm -hmm. And then at the conclusion of that year, I launched a Kickstarter campaign that was 30 days. And the goal was to send my book to print and print a hardback book. Self-published. Self-published. Like yeah. Yeah. And that was a tremendous success. I think I uh, met you <clears throat> before that. I, I yeah. met you definitely like when you were selling your individual So you met pieces. me, right, you met me, well, probably at the end right. of that year. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I may have been selling jewelry at the time. Mm -hmm. I also have a background in silversmithing. I took classes in Ecuador wow. <laughs> silversmithing when I was there as a study abroad student. And uh, the rings I'm wearing to this day That's are awesome. still the ones I've made in Ecuador. But um, so I have always had, uh, a, you know, a desire to make things, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so throughout this full-time position working as an art installation tech I was making jewelry and keeping my journal going and stuff but uh surrounded after, by art you were totally yeah yeah and that was mm -hmm. the other wonderful thing about being a part of the museum industry is surrounded by art it's just you get to be next to these pieces it's such an intimate level it's mm -hmm. so it's so exciting um I, you know the the love of of being in the museum industry has definitely not waned <laughs> nice yeah so but currently you know I'm self-employed I'm an artist I'm doing illustration and I'm working on my second book but um let me fill in that that gap where I uh, I did this Kickstarter campaign um and I was able to raise $32,000 close to that $32,000 in 30 days and that enabled me to print this book self-published in the USA and I was uh Half of the quantity of those books went to my backers, 500 of them, and then the other 500 I started to sell uh, in my own capacity alongside this food-related body of work that I had created. Mm -hmm. And uh, up to speed now, I, I have over almost 100 different designs in that collection. It's called Illustrated Feast, and it's this kind of mix-and-match collection of watercolor uh, prints. So that is... That's going strong. <laughs> and I love all of them. And so <laughs> I, I kind of, unbeknownst to you, have been waiting. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's so many that I like, and I kind of envision that I just want to, like, I'm a purist, so I feel like if right. I have one, I'm just going to have to do the, a theme. Yes. Um, but I don't know which ones, you know, <laughs> to get. So I still have zero because I'm still waiting for, like, to figure out. Totally I cool. want the coffee. I want, you know what I mean? So I've got to figure out. I can't, you know, yeah. have all 100, but I, I definitely need to, like, Every time people go, whoa, what do you think I should buy? I always say, you know, buy the newer, the, the newest work because that's what I'm most excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But on the other sure. flip side, every time I release something, it makes it harder to decide for the consumer what they want because there's more choices. And uh, that's the cool thing about drawing food is it's like endless inspiration. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes the subject matter is A, what I'm eating, mm -hmm. B, what other people are eating, C, what's in season, mm -hmm. or I go the ethnic route or thematic route, you mm -hmm. know, where it's like, oh my gosh, what, you know, what Asian spice haven't I drawn yet? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
It's so like, no matter which way you spin yeah. it, it really is, it's about storytelling. I mean, totally. Right? Through yeah. food. Yeah. I mean, food is a gateway mm-hmm. to learning about people. And it's just this way to synthesize um, kind of relatability between people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, so, if you're in DC, you can find it. You're, you can find this book at um, yes. At, uh, Kramer's the title is and Mi Comida Latina, mm-hmm. and you can find it at Kramer's. Uh, you can get it at Politics and Prose. You can get an autograph copy at my studio, nice. which, is which is Wednesday to Friday okay. from 11 to 4, and then Saturdays from 10 to 6. Okay, and you're so in the artist walks. At like, the art walk. The yeah. art walk, yeah. So, awesome. which I'm totally jazzed about. It's a uh, 27 artist studios in Brookland and we all have our own hours but uh, now that the farmers market's on until Thanksgiving every Saturday most all of the artist studios are open as well perfect so Saturday's a great time to come because you can experience the art studios you can also be at the farmers market which happens right on our pedestrian very only cool. walkway oh right nice, there at, nice. The, at the Brooklyn Metro stop very cool yeah yeah it's wonderful so that that's your first book, and mm-hmm. I hear you're working on a second I'm book. Working on a second one. And you were recently in Cuba. I was. So yes. tell us about that. Yeah, cats what is out that of the experience bag. Like? The book's about Cuba. <laughs> oh no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, is this which gonna... is no, no. This isn't no. Am, okay, it's public information. No worries. No worries. Great. No worries. I can always edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. It's so exciting. Um, no, I'm. Very happy to kind of dive right into this project at a time that, to my, I mean, my luck, that I I was able to go to Cuba at a time when Obama visited, Mm -hmm. the the first president to visit since 1928 Mm -hmm. to Cuba. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it was also the, the Rolling Stones concert happened. Mm-hmm. two weeks later. So yeah. I was able to go to the Rolling Stones concert, which was above and beyond the most exciting concert I've ever been to, and and see Obama's motorcade drive by. So how do you get, like, how yeah. does one get to, because it's not just like... How does one get to Cuba? You just don't go, right. No, you just don't go by yourself. Yeah. It's getting easier. Uh, yeah. Currently, about a year and a half ago, the State Department opened this people-to-people visa, Mm -hmm. they're calling it, and it is a cultural experience visa. Mm -hmm. So essentially, if you go for cultural purposes, that's okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Right? Uh, Well, I'm taking the podcast on the the road, so. (laughs) There it is. Next episode. From Havana. Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's a great art and design scene in Havana. Very it's, cool. It's amazing. I went to the school with someone um, who was who grew up in, in Cuba. Really? And he lives in Germantown now, but he cool. he's yeah, he yeah. I mean I, mean, I think he'd been in the country for two years. Place. Yeah. Tremendously creative and a lot of the reason for that is people have the chance to explore different pursuits because education is free. Mm-hmm. And your social services, you know, uh, they have free health care, they have free education. Um, there are rations, which provide you a very bare-bones quantity of food monthly. Mm-hmm. And then your place of living is also uh, free. I mean, it's, it's your family owns your home. You don't rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of basic needs are taken care of, which means for artists, it kind of gives you the freedom to really explore yeah. creativity. 
which is cool. Yeah, something that we don't always get to do here as right. artists. Yeah, chasing um, that dollar. I know, right? <laughs> and also, I think people, you know, people like us, I feel like are are are, you know, always trying to find ways to support those those passions and certainly and yeah. to 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 fund the time for exploration. Absolutely. Instead of just exploring. And it has to, it's very intentional because <laughs> mm-hmm. if you, you can't just wake up and create often in this culture. Mm-hmm. It, you have to have, you have to create space intentionally to be able to do that. Yeah. And that yeah. can be really challenging. Yeah. Well, and it takes the right type of person too. Right. You know, it takes, it, takes discipline. It takes discipline yeah. and diligence and. Right. And that, you know, that's hard right. sometimes. Absolutely. So <laughs> during that period of time, I intentionally cooked with people. And with the pursuit of um, inspiring the content for the book. So a lot of these people, you know, ultimately, they are collaborators. Uh, They're folks that taught me these recipes and very much are creating the structure of what's in the book. Uh, And many of these people I didn't know before. Most of them, I I would say, but really, it was a... Did you knock on on people's doors and be like, hey? (laughs) The first three... Three acquaintances uh, were arranged for me by a friend. Her name's Anna Maria, and she acted as a fixer. I would say okay. she she it was a it was an arranged kind of thing where she I said, listen, I want to cook with some people in Cuba in Havana. Mm-hmm. Um, I was staying there. I had an apartment, my own apartment that was in a building. Um, the landlord owned my unit and lived next to me. You know. So I had a, a kitchen to invite people to, and I did do that. Oftentimes we'd cook in my place or I'd go to their home oh, across nice. town and cook with them. So Anna Maria arranged some cooking dates for me initially. And then from there I kind of cast my net and I cooked with my neighbors. I cooked with my landlord. I cooked with her um, cousin. And so it really did kind of word spread. Mm-hmm. And that was a tremendous... Um, tremendous response I, I it was more of a matter of scheduling everyone in so most every other day I was cooking with people in their homes or in my apartment and taking notes in my illustrated sketchbook kind of manner half in Spang- Spanglish half in English <laughs> half in Spanglish Spanish and uh, and then I was drawing and taking pictures and uh, learning more about them through this time yeah. too a lot of times for that's a good example, chunk of time to be able oh, to yeah. do that you can't do that in one week you can't do that you know no even, and in even two so weeks, I, could, really. I could spend months continuing the, mm-hmm. the project but we've got to get this going so i, I actually am i'm really knee deep right now in refining the content from my cuba experience and then kind of pulling it all together and designing the book in terms of sections Mm -hmm. and what I want to emphasize. And then I also want to kind of infuse some cultural information too. So it it will embody a lot more about Cuba than just recipes. I talk about um, the organic urban farming movement that's going on there. I talk about um, herbal remedies Mm -hmm. that people often will prepare. That was something that always come up. You know, I was talking with people, constantly asking, hey, what else do you use this 
for? You know, wh what other recipes uses then? And, and it would eventually get out that, oh, oregano, actually, if you infuse that with, with oil, it's a cough suppressant. You know, so See, things these are like things that, I hear about, and I have. I mean, like, how does someone? They're simple remedies. Do you accidentally but it's drop some oregano into something, and then, like, how? It's how, an age-old tradition. Yeah, you know, but it's I love exciting, these and so those are the kind of things that perhaps traditional cookbooks don't include. But I really, I plan on mm -hmm. plan on including in mine. Yeah. So not only is it a is it a a cookbook, but it is will be a work of art and a real cultural reference. Mm -hmm. Uh, through the lens of food. Yeah. So, so what um, what are some of the things that you, like recipes or things that you learned that you either had not ever seen before or had experiences my with? Gosh, there's or? so many. Uh, I will say, above all, uh, at first glance, you would say, oh, it's a beans and rice culture. You know, it's a meat-focused culture. Those are all realities. Mm -hmm. But the way in which people prepare things is what is so interesting and distinct about Cuban cuisine, mm -hmm. because uh, resources are still limited. You know, they're not out of the special period, mm -hmm. which was the time in the 1990s when their economy collapsed, and people really were in a dire state. They, there were people that were hungry. Mm -hmm. um, and so currently, there still is there still are shortages of food, and there are limited uh, a limited breadth of ingredients. Okay, mm -hmm. so with their recipes, uh, very much every day was an exercise as to, you know, okay, we're gonna make fricasse de pollo. Okay, we're gonna make a chicken fricasse, but you know, I couldn't find, for example, I couldn't find raisins today. So we're not going to have raisins, um, but we'll definitely put olives in. So you know, I love that. people were changing things around well, all the and time. They, it sounds like they had to, and and they had to exactly. But you know, it's the same. Like, it's that parallel can be drawn with art too, because you give yourself parameters, and you have three things that you can do. You're gonna, you're gonna probably end up creating something way more interesting and push yourself way more yes. than if you had everything that you needed. You know what I mean? So I feel Absolutely. like, you know, from so, a culinary perspective, it sounds really interesting. It's, cr it's creative. Because you're always max. trying something. Yeah. 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 I mean, there is a verb that a lot of people attribute as a very consistent theme in Cuba, and it is resolver. Resolver means to get by, mm -hmm. to reinvent, reuse, to conserve. Um, to innovate and that is a way of life in Cuba and with regards to cooking I mean I just provided you an example of that it's like you're constantly altering what your goals are to achieve the greatest outcome um, and and so that that's what's so exciting and new to me about cooking uh, Cuban cuisine it's, it is a rice and beans culture, but the way in which they do it is so dynamic and interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I can describe some more recipes <laughs> if you want, but, but really it's the methods that are so exciting. Yeah. Uh, so how far along are you on this project? Or can you talk about I that? am, oh yeah, it's just me. Um, I am, I have the bare bones. The recipes are there. Uh, I'm working now on this red connecting thread yeah. of crafting the organization and the logic for how 
a person will open that book and experience the content that I wish to show. Mm -hmm. So it is very much like, do I want a traditional approach? Do I want to do, you know, main dishes, uh, salsas and sides, desserts and drinks, like I did in my last book, Mi Comida Latina? Or do I want to mix it up a little bit and have, uh, for example, maybe I feature a person and then after that you see all of the recipes that they taught me. So I'm, 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 it's still very, I have several different outlines at this point and I'm playing around with all of those structural ideas. Mm -hmm. And I am writing, there will be a lot more anecdotal kind of vignettes about experience in this book than the last one. Um, and it's, it's cool because that was one of the pieces of critical feedback I got from the last one, which was... I was going to ask you why you, why, like, what's the process of adding that? Like, is it something that you had wanted to do? Was it feedback? Was it, you know, learning? For the first was book? It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first book was, it was a, it didn't, I didn't have, I, I, my main goal, as, as I said, was to share these recipes with family and friends. So the actual creative writing pursuit wasn't a main priority. Mm -hmm. And I found out afterwards that people really wanted to hear about the person that taught me this and that and perhaps what their home was like or what their family was like. And so that is definitely more of a focus in this book. Mm -hmm. And again, the last one, it was initially self-published project. And I may not have mentioned this before, but it's currently in its fourth printing. Wow, that's so really cool. Counting the, the so like you were picked up post, post, oh, okay, counting. Yeah. So you were, after you self-published, what exactly. was the process like of getting it published from? So, right, I, um, I self-published two times. And after the first edition uh, was all gone in June of uh, 2013, I printed another 1,200 books mm-hmm. on my own accord, meaning I fronted the cash, all 1,200 books like landed in my storage space, and then I was to sell them, and I did that. In that second, as I was selling the second edition, I was pursuing publishers. I didn't want the narrative to end, you know, mm-hmm. still don't. It's so exciting, <laughs> it's so much fun. But, uh, so I, I submitted the book to several publishers. I heard either rejection or nothing, mm-hmm. nothing back, right? Uh, what was that like? Uh, you know, did you kind of be like, well, you're lost next, of, or was kinda, it like, kind of, okay, because at that good. point I was like that's so really excited about drawing <laughs> food and developing the illustrated feast collection that yeah. I was the the project, yeah, I kind I kind of concluded like, um, oh, it's run its course, like that's cool. It got me onto this food focused illustrative idea, mm-hmm. which I really still like, you know, and so I wasn't heartbroken, uh, but I. So at the end of that, about I had about 50 books left, and I got a call from a publisher whom I had never heard of before. They wanted to publish the book, and I jumped on board. <laughs> Long story short, I suppose, but they have printed it now twice. We added 40 more pages, and it has a different cover. Now it's red, and it's a little bit more of a fancy production. It has really cool edge paint and some debossing and I was gonna foil say that on it. It has like, like a tipped on like cover, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of, it's set in there. Exactly. It's the, yeah, the main graphic in the center yeah. is a little, you know, deboss. But yeah, it's, so that's 
we're working through those the fourth edition I guess right now and and I'm hoping that the book has a long life and I, I I hope that it'll still be around when I release the second book do you have to keep finding like you know interest is that something that you find that you want to do yourself is to is to or feel like I need to do is to constantly reach out to people and say hey I exist this book exists mm, you know like the marketing and PR stuff that's right yep. yeah it's <laughs> hard it's hard as a one woman show I tell you uh, like, hey, <laughs> hey it's hard as a one man oh show <laughs> it's hard as a one person show yeah one person is yeah. like so there is there is a PR team that is the publisher's PR team and their goal is to like rep the book mm-hmm. and I will get inquiries from different media, you know, asking for an interview on occasion. And that's really cool because I didn't have to find them. But initially, it really was about um, marketing myself. The hustle. It still is. <laughs> it's totally still a hustle. I mean, yeah. um, I the there was a great interview. Probably the most, the highest profile media was um, a feature in The Salt for NPR. Uh, yeah, uh, which was totally yeah. awesome, you know, and I, I, that was something that was my own doing. So it just goes to show that, despite the fact you may have like some PR team that's out there, you still have to hustle. You have to do it. You, you have really to ask. Do. You have to ask for what you want. I mean, I, yeah. I find myself, um, especially just being connected so much with with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of given myself uh, a task of reaching out to you know someone that I've never like talked to yeah. um on a daily basis or if yeah. not on every other day you know what I mean so yeah. that I I I'm constantly saying hey you know I know that we're we're on social media together and I know that you know right. you know we kind of our paths cross visually but we've never spoken to each other yeah. and we live in this awesome city so right. do you want to meet for a cup of coffee you know you're, what I mean I mean and you're you never fully know. exercising the potential of social media yeah we live which, in a very exciting time yeah, right now absolutely and I don't yeah. want to be passive about it so right and it's just it's easy to yeah to like something but I, I get repeat likes for something and I'm or you know and there's this this yeah. really beautiful engagement back and forth, and I'm like, we need to meet for coffee, right. you know. Right. If nothing else, to say hello and. I want to know. know your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's totally. a it's a good thing. So that's you know, to me that's part of the hustle, but that's part of the mm-hmm. fun hustle. You know, it's kind of like. Right. I mean, and it's no also pressure. exploration. Mm-hmm. We're social beings. Yeah. And, and there's so much great stuff here. That's. Right in D.C. I mean, we really are going through a renaissance period. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, yes, there are positives and negatives with gentrification. Mm-hmm. And that is a that is a true fact. Yeah, but absolutely. But with, um, you know, infusing more art into this scene, it really is exciting to see the creative community grow in all these different realms. Mm-hmm. You know, not only in food, in and visual arts and music. Yeah. And... People are organizing. And there's ways and to, so through cool. that, there's ways to bridge gaps. I mean, they always totally. say that, right? They always say that, like, art is, like, that single unifier that can mm-hmm. really make or break mm-hmm. something, which is interesting. So. Absolutely. Expression in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, before we end, okay. um, where can we find your stuff? Yes. Online well, and everything else. You can and find, like, yeah, the whole collection. You can get an autographed copy of my first cookbook, Mi Comida Latina, as well as stationery and my prints collection on my website at marcellacrevel.com. Um, you can also stop by my studio. I have a little retail front that will be open. And I did. Did I say the hours? Um, I think Wednesday so, but to Friday, definitely say them again. 11 so to 4. 11 to 4. 
Wednesday to Friday, yes. Okay. Saturdays from 10 to 6. Cool. Yes. Awesome. Well, I hope people take advantage and stop by. Totally. And um, and did you say your Instagram handle? It's my name, Marcella Kreeble, and that's also Twitter. So I have a f- funny spelling. It's Marcella with two L's, and my last name is spelled K-R-I-E-B-E-L. There you have it. That's awesome. It. Well, thanks for spending time with me. Yay. This Talk is soon. so exciting. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Designing Your Course is recorded and produced here at the NHD studio in the Petworth neighborhood of Washington, D.C. You can find out more about what we do here at nhd-studio.com. If you or someone you know would like to appear on the podcast, let me know by writing to studio at designinacourse.com. That's studio at designinacourse.com. Until next time.